Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com podcast, September 29th edition. We are here with Matt Riddle. We're going to talk all kinds of stuff. We're going to talk his his wrestling career. We're talking TNA. Ryback, who is going to be the next giant superstar in MMA, apparently. And uh, Conor McGregor. Matt, you got your hands on your head. Yeah. Have you heard about this Ryback stuff? I, I heard about it. I saw it on the Facebook this morning. I, I thought it was a joke. I thought, like, you know, it was like one of those, what the kayfabe news. I thought it was kayfabe yeah. news. But no, this is real? Yeah, it's real. He is negotiating with Bellator. Of course he's negotiating with Bellator. Um, and I get the feeling if Bellator falls out, Ryzen might try to <laughs> pick him up. I think, honestly, if I was Ryback, his best bet would probably be going right to Japan right now. Because he's big, yeah. he's he's a monster. He's a big pro wrestler, and Japan would eat it up. They would love it. The thing that I brought up, I don't know how much he weighs. I don't know because, you know, he's billed at whatever he's billed at. But if he gets a super heavyweight fight, he might win it. Oh, yeah. If he gets any fight, he might win it. He's like... Well, he's probably like 315 pounds at least, like solid muscle. I think he's like 6'3", and he's he's huge. Oh, yeah. He's a he's a big dude. No no mixed martial arts training to speak of. I heard he started to train a little bit after he left WWE. This, this came out of left field, but, you know, I'm not surprised that Bellator would want him. Why wouldn't they? Honestly, if I was Bellator, I'd pick him up, depending on the price he's asking for, though, you know. And, you know, he should ask for a decent, you know, a decent number because if he loses and gets beat up, it's going to look pretty bad, you know what I'm saying? Oh, sure, that could affect his bookings moving forward if he gets beat. His whole career, his entire life. Look at Ken Shamrock. Went from IC champion, probably soon to be WWE Hall of Famer and legend. Because he made a great transition from MMA into pro wrestling. But then 
completely nixed it, had to fight Tito Ortiz like two more times and just get beat up horrifically. And I like Ken Shamrock and I like Tito Ortiz. It's just, it, it was a bad move on his part. Also, I mean, you see all those guys that the WWE brings back from the Attitude Era. They've never touched him. Like, they've never brought him back, of all people. He was booked as the most dangerous, world's most dangerous man, and I saw Tito Ortiz knock him out in 30 seconds, 40 seconds twice. You know, like, you yeah. can't really build yourself as the world's most dangerous man when somebody saw that on national, you know, on pay-per-view multiple times across the world. Also, the Hoist Gracie thing of, of late probably didn't help either. If you get beat on the feet by Hoist Gracie. Nailed it. He, yeah, that was a weird fight. That was a weird day, that, that whole Bellator show. So what do you make of, of a guy like Ryback moving or trying to move to MMA? I was explicitly told by somebody close to the situation that he's not going to fight for very little money, that he wants to fight, but if he, he wants big money for it. Can you blame him? I don't blame him at all. Like I said, he's taking a huge risk stepping out of his element. Like I don't think CM Punk realizes the what happened probably when he took that risk. Granted, he was in the UFC. He's still a hot commodity. If he if WWE signs him tomorrow, he'll get a pop, all that. But he did lose some street cred. Like, the people that thought he might be able to hang, know for a fact he can't hang for, like, what, 49 seconds? Well, it was two and a half minutes, and it was funny. Two and a half Mickey Gall... Mickey Gall was on a podcast recently, and they were all, like, joking around about CM Punk. I wish I remembered the name of the podcast. But it was, like, a bunch of guys in a room. And somebody was like, well, I wonder how long the average guy would last against Mickey Gall because CM Punk barely made it two minutes. What happened was they put this podcast host in mount on Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall wasn't allowed to strike him. It took Mickey Gall 15 seconds to sweep him from mount and Darsh choke him. So, I mean, that shows you what the average guy can do. CM Punk at least got a little bit past that, but he can't – he's just not there. He's just not there. Yeah. You know, like I said, it's it's a big risk to take. CM Punk, CM Punk took it, you know. He did come a long way from where he was, but still, I think he's still a white belt, you know. Yeah. You so, see those – they had that footage of him training his first couple of weeks or something of that nature – Oh my god, it was terrible. It looked horrible. Like, but to be honest, somebody asked like to assess his his skill. I'm like, it's where most people probably would be a year and something in. He's just not very good. Yeah, I would say he's, you know, for for the amount of trades, nothing that's not knock against him. He's probably like average, a little under average for his training. But then again, you look at the extensive professional wrestling career he had and the wars he had there, and all the – there's a lot that goes into pro wrestling. So to pick up a completely different sport, and MMA isn't one sport. It's a facet of all sports, you know, combat-related. It, it's, it's a lot to pick up, you know? You mentioned that that hurting, like, his street cred. Now, if he came back to WWE, I'm sure they he could probably main event WrestleMania just because they like turning those stories into something real. But, I mean, this is a guy who used to – he would like tape up his hands and wrists like like Sagat from Street Fighter. He would do the the Vanderlei Silva rolling his wrist thing when he got into the ring. He would implement aspects of MMA and Muay Thai into his into his in ring. That's before he had any any experience. If he ever comes back to pro wrestling, do you think that he 
adds more of MMA to his pro wrestling, or do you think he kind of scales it back because he showed he couldn't hang in that department? I think it would depend on who he worked. You know, like, if he's going against a Lesnar, he'd probably incorporate more of his training or even The Undertaker or something like that because they incorporate it. But if he's going against another pro wrestler, I think he'd incorporate regardless because he trained it and he has more of a knowledge of it. You know, he'd be dumb not to. But at the same time, like I said, he, I, you know, in my eyes, and I think in a lot of other people's eyes, he lost a lot of street cred getting beat up as quick as he did and how he did, you know. And there's a lot of hype. And, you know, I give him credit for stepping in there, you know, the – Mickey Gall's a decent fighter, you know what? He's three and zero or four and zero now. Three and zero, and he had two amateur fights as well. He's been training for eight years. Yeah, you know. So I mean, that's. I don't think people understand how long that is. Long enough to get your brown belt. It takes a while. It takes a while. He's talented for sure. I thought him calling out Sage Northcutt was the absolute smartest thing he could have done. It's what I would have done, you know. Yeah. An easy fight, easy win. That's an easy takedown and submission, and another big victory over somebody who's really overrated and not that good. I'm hoping that Sage Northcutt eventually does the John Jones heel turn, where he goes from the wholesome boy and he just <laughs> you find out he's doing uh, hanging out with strippers and doing coke all the time. He's he got to make the heel turn. You know, he probably does it already. He's just good at hiding it. Yeah. I love, like, he, he did an interview with Ariel Hawani, and he calls him, like, Mr. Hawani and stuff. I'm like, this guy, he's such a white meat baby face. Yeah, he, how old is he? He's, like, 18, 19? I think, he, I think he just turned 20. I'll check. Okay. It's, Man, he's, kid, he's a young dude. Yeah, there are pictures of him that emerged, yeah, he's 20, that emerged of him at like seven years old with like an eight pack. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy. Yeah. Well, I know he's good at karate. He has good striking, you know? Yeah. I can't doubt that, you know, but at the he just can't, time, man, that ground game is duty. Oh, have you heard much about this TNA sale? Are you caught up on that at all? I've heard a rumor that the WWE might be in talks and buying TNA. I've heard this. So here's, here's what's going on for those of you who are not caught up on the situation. TNA needs money, and it needs it really badly. Billy Corgan wants to buy the company. He's been putting his own money into it for the last three television tapings. Each time these tapings come up, he puts his own money in and saves it. They have their biggest show of the year this Sunday live on pay-per-view, and there's a question of whether it'll happen or not because of the money situation. WWE is said to be interested because they want that video library for the WWE Network. Ring of Honor is said to be interested because they want the TV time slots for for themselves. Billy Corgan just wants to keep the company going but doesn't want to put money in if they're in the same situation in three months because it's a waste of money. There are a lot of good people over at TNA, but there are also a lot of people, Matt, who might not – I'll just flat out say it. There's a lot of people in TNA who will not replace that income anywhere else. There's a lot of people like that. There are a few that will do fine. It's being said that Dixie Carter is really messing up this sale. Everybody backstage wants Billy Corgan to run the show because they know that they'll get to keep their jobs at least. Dixie Carter, on the other hand, has been kind of messing up the negotiations apparently. This is, this is an unfortunate mess, Matt. That would be one less place for people to work, for sure. 
Yeah, that would be terrible. I had no idea they were in such a situation. Yeah, it's it's pretty dire. So you didn't get that like feeling or anything when you met Billy Corgan at Evolve or anything like that. He he didn't come up to you like, "Hey man, what's up? My company's going under." I did not get that feeling, man. <laughs> like he seemed to be in good spirits. You know, I'm always in good spirits. You know. So, to be I, fair, he's super rich anyway, so I would probably be in good spirits anyway I, if I were. It's more in his, you know, in his case, he doesn't want to lose money. So he wants mm-hmm. to be a smart businessman. He's already invested in the three last tapings, and he likes what he's doing and thinks if they keep working in this direction, things will improve. And honestly, I've seen what he's been doing, and things. I think I think the roster and everything that's coming about, it, it's not looking too bad, you know. Uh, I think he just wants other investors. And I don't know about going to WWE and Ring of Honor, but who else are you going to really go to in the world of professional wrestling? Yeah, I mean, New Japan's an option for some guys, but not a lot of guys. Not a whole lot of guys on that roster uh, would get into New Japan even if they wanted to because it's just a different style. I hope for the best. You know, there are a lot of really good people at TNA that that work there and that I do fear can't replace that income. But, man, that company has just been so mismanaged for so many years. I mean, Jeff Jarrett and Toby Keith, the country music star, wanted to buy the company – uh, two years ago, and the hang-up was Dixie Carter had to stay on as president of the company, and Toby Keith said, hell no, I'm not doing that. There were rumors, unfounded rumors, I've, I've been working to confirm this forever but haven't been able to, that Spike TV wanted to buy a portion of the company. That would have left them at least on Spike TV. That would have been a big deal. They said no, and now two years later they're in a situation where – a lot of people might lose their jobs, Matt. Spike TV would have been legit. Yeah. It's 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 just so that's weird. Bell, that's where Bellator is too, right? Yeah, and they, they work together a lot. They did the they did the co branding, King Mo, Tito, Rampage, which that. Yeah, that did not work out, but still. Right now that'd be perfect. Sure. Yeah, especially if uh, you got a guy named Ryback and Bobby Lashley going back and forth between right. the two. Like, right there, that's money. That's yes. money all day. Except for Bobby so, actually wrestles, so that's just bad news bears for Ryback. Hey, they, they got Al Snow, too. Did you know that Al Snow once cornered Dan Severn in a UFC fight? I believe it. I've had some random people corner me, so I definitely believe it. But did, did Al Snow train with Dan Severn? He, he says that he did. I did an interview with him like seven years ago, and he said he did. I believe him. It's Al Snow. He's legit. It's part of the job squad. Apparently, you posted the Hangouts link on your Twitter, which allows people to join the chat, Matt. Yeah? Is that what I'm Uh supposed to do? (laughs) No, but I'll send you you the right link to post. (laughs) You said retweet. The link or uh, the one I tagged you in. <laughs> oh, you tag? I didn't see the one you tagged me. In. I saw the one. That's okay. I, I I'll eject them if they join anyway. It's no big deal. <laughs> or if if it's like you know if it's Dan Hardy, then I might keep him on the line. Hey, if it's somebody worthwhile, they can join in, comment. <laughs> so you know yeah. what I you know what I thought was interesting. You know, I did some research for this week's episode 
And I saw uh, Jose Aldo is retiring. He says he's retiring. He says a lot of shit, though, this guy. You know why, right? You know, he says that he's pissy about the McGregor-Alvarez booking. What do you? Well, first off, what do you think of that booking, Conor McGregor taking his third fight that isn't a featherweight title fight? I, I think he should be stripped of the title if he doesn't fight at 145-1. Two, I don't think it's fair to give him a title shot when he beat Nate Diaz after Nate Diaz beat him. I don't see how that makes sense. I think the McGregor has money written all over him so he can fight anybody and make money. And Jose Aldo deserves a rematch. I think that's the end of the story. And I'm, from what I've been told and what he's been saying is Dana White's been lying to him. And I can attest myself, like, I've been lied to so many times by Joe Silva, Dana White, or whoever to basically get you to do what they want. They'll say, oh, yeah, you'll get this fight or that fight then or there, this place, and then they just don't do it. And trust me, they had plenty of time to schedule, and they got cards every week. You know what I'm saying? So, Yeah, there's a lot to take in there, so we'll, we'll approach that one by one. And in my opinion, Jose Aldo should get a rematch, because a lot, and a lot of casual fans don't realize it. Had that been a five-round ass-whipping from McGregor, that's one thing. 13 seconds? Shit happens, dude, Matt. It, dude. It's MMA. We wear four-ounce gloves that protect your knuckles. They don't protect your face or your chin or anything else. And neither we don't wear any other protective gear. We're not allowed to. It's like a cup, mouthpiece, and four-ounce gloves. So it's like it, it's ridiculous. It one shot, one night. You know the thing is, they probably could have restarted that fight if it was a boxing match, ten count. He probably would have came up and won the rest of the fight. I think. Because Jose Aldo's an animal. Yeah. I'll play devil's advocate here for Conor McGregor. He does have wins over the number four and number 10 lightweights in Dustin Poirier and Nate Diaz. He is absolutely money. And also that 145 cut might not be too safe for him. Do you know about the – I think after his bumps up to 170 and stuff, I don't think he can make 45 being healthy and – Jose Aldo has proven he can make the weight class. He's the real champion at that weight class. And, and, yeah, and, and like, not taking anything away from Connor. Good fighter, and he's a beast at 145, but, you know, you had to defend your title. You had to. You can't, I agree. You can't just run around taking money fights and doing your thing. And if you can, then they need to strip him of the title. But the, Well, the plan that, is – the plan is if he wins at, at 205, they're going to take the featherweight title from him. Or he has to let go of one of the belts, rather, whether it be the lightweight or featherweight. One would believe it'd be the featherweight. You look up and down the featherweight rankings, and again, I'm playing devil's advocate for Conor McGregor. There's Jose Aldo at one, who he beat. Frankie Edgar coming off of a loss. Max Holloway, who McGregor beat with a torn ACL, but this is a different Max Holloway now. Cub Swanson, really inconsistent. Anthony Pettis kind of washed out of that lightweight division. Jeremy Stevens, boy, he didn't fight Jeremy Stevens, but he already beat Jeremy Stevens. Did you see that press conference? I saw the press conference. He he he. Get, the thing is, Connor can roast people, he, you know. And the thing is, he's been in front of crowds enough talking where he has the confidence where he can just 
throw shit at everybody while everybody and the thing is and he, and he says facts like hey i'll make your career he will i'll make you money he yeah. will look at all you guys are dressing like me now because they are everybody's like trying to wear sunglasses and suits now because they see him do it nobody's original but him and he's really not that original either you know yeah it's the old he was he was just the first to do it in mma that's it. He took the Ric Flair gimmick and applied it to MMA, and it's worked out. Yeah. As it turns out, one of the best gimmicks of all time in pro wrestling happens to work in real fighting, too. Go figure, right? Matt, yeah, of course. The wheel and deal and jet flying. You know. So, Aldo's situation, he's pissed. He wanted that fight, obviously, as he should have wanted that fight. But um, he didn't get it. Instead, it's McGregor versus Alvarez, and he has demanded his UFC release. Dana White says that ain't happening. What do you think about that? I think I think it's garbage. I think if somebody lies to you more than twice, once, and you're in a business arrangement, and you have a contract, like if I, if I have a contract with Evolve, and they lie to me, like tell me one thing and do another, and then they do it again, I would be like. I want out of this contract. You guys aren't treating me fair. You know, and I would expect them to honor that. You know, I'd expect any court to honor that, you know. I've been lied to multiple times. And the thing is, every time you have a verbal agreement on something, that's a verbal contract. So they're basically just breaking multiple contracts verbally and then using a written contract to hold you in a contract, you know, hold you down. So this this situation which we have now UFC 205. Have you seen the card up and down? It's stacked. It's amazing. It's I might. I it's might maybe ninety five dollars for a UFC pay per view. Ninety five dollars. That they might charge that much they for this one. Do. Dude, you see the card? Gonna- they should just run a six hour pay per view block and charge double. It's loaded. Like, Chris Weidman's on the show, Misha Tate, Donald Cerrone, Rashad Evans, Tim Kennedy. Uh, you can have former Bellator champion, like Lyman Good. Like, when, when that's the least known fighter on your show as a former Bellator champion, that's saying something. And then that's not even getting into the title fights. That was just insane. But the, the story of it was that press conference. <laughs> Eddie Alvarez was called out by Conor McGregor for not negotiating new money for this fight. Do you think McGregor was right to call him out? And if you were Eddie Alvarez, are you saying, hey, this is going to be maybe your biggest show ever. You better pay me more. This, I think there's one or two options. I think you got to look at it from the UFC's perspective for one second. Like, and Eddie Alvarez, as the UFC, they're probably like, Jose Aldo deserves this shot. He deserves this match. And they use that as leverage to be like, Eddie, you know, he's calling well, up, but we really should do this. You know, they used Khabib, too. Khabib was given two bout agreements to face Alvarez. Yeah, don't negotiate new money, and you can fight Conor McGregor, and we'll give you, like, minimal points on the pay-per-view. If anything. Yeah. Regardless, he knows, like, he's a bigger fighter, stronger fighter, good at boxing, good wrestling. Like, he could really – and he has a full camp. He could really beat the shit out of Conor McGregor. I, I personally have money on Eddie Alvarez. He's going to come in as a big underdog. He, he is an underdog in the uh, rate. I'm betting money. Dude, you know who's a big underdog? My boy, Eric Spicely, pulling up that. Oh, man. And he was told that he, I think he was told flat out before then that he was going to get cut, and then they gave him this fight, and then he won. 
Dude, well, dude, Top 15 he, opponent. He got guillotine choked by what? Sam Avey? The, the other. Sam Alvey? Yeah. He got guillotine choked by that dude. And then it's like, oh man, like I was like, shit, and he's a Jits guy. I was like, that doesn't look good. I didn't say it to him, but I was thinking it. But then when he got this other shot, I'm like, man, I hope he does good. And he was training with GSP and training with other people, and he was doing good stuff. And he went out there and did work. Super, you know, and. Would have, should have been on that fight, right? Yeah, absolutely. Tiago Santos, a top fifteen opponent, too. So that's that's big. That's big. And usually they cut those. Usually they cut the guys who lose right after tough. But they gave him another chance, and it paid off for him. He said, "I saw an interview that he said he didn't even know he who he was going to fight. He was just like, okay, I'll do it. If it gets me another chance, I'll do it.' Lots of respect for that guy, man." Come oh and one in the UFC and you beat a top fifteen guy. That's awesome. That's incredible. Well, he's he's pretty good. He was undefeated before he got to the UFC. I think he did the Ultimate Fighter at two hundred five and he fights like middleweight. And he ran. He submitted a lot of the guys on the Ultimate Fighter, but there were stops. I think his third fight in maybe. You were on the Ultimate Fighter. Do you think they should – I mean, and almost everybody on the Ultimate Fighter, it seems like they fight a weight class up because they don't want to cut all that damn weight three or four times. Do you think they yep. should change that format uh, or abandon the damn format? I think they should just get rid of the show completely. Yeah. I think what they should do now is get rid of the show and then tell people that want to fight for the UFC to send in tapes – and then maybe give them a fight in front of their hometown and follow them for six weeks and then put that on TV. I think that would be more entertaining, giving somebody their UFC shot, their dream, rather than just a shot to fight in a house for six weeks and then maybe get a contract that's $100,000. That's really not $100,000. And you know what I'm saying? I like the format that they're doing for this season where they have like 16 regional flyweight champions and they're all competing because that's really what the ultimate fighter should be is the best unsigned talent, not a bunch of dudes. No disrespect to you, Matt, without experience. Hey, bro, I had no experience. I shouldn't have been there. I don't know who passed him that year. I had one amateur fight and a bunch of like Naga and Grappler Quest titles and like a state national wrestling title. Technically, on the ground, I was legit, but like I had no. No real fight experience. And you parlayed that into a full-on career. Yeah. You parlayed that into two careers. <laughs> How in the hell? Bro, oh. where there's a will, there's a way, man. You have this reputation as this absent-minded stoner, Matt, but you got into the Ultimate Fighter house without any fights, made a full UFC career, and now a pro wrestling career. Dude, you know what it, you know what it is. I think a lot of people, you know, see that and they lose focus on the real thing. And like, I see people trying to learn wrestling and learn this and learn that, like jujitsu and MMA. I teach all of it all the time. And the biggest thing is, I see these people and they're like, "Oh, I want to be this, or I want to be a good wrestler, I want to be in the WWE, I want this." And it's like I've never wanted any of that. I like. I just needed – I needed it. Like, and not necessarily need to be in the WWE, but I was like, I needed to try being a professional wrestler. Like, when I was sitting on my couch in Vegas, after fight, after fight, after fight fell through, I was just like, what can I do? What can I do? I got I to gotta give this shit a try. I've loved it my entire life. And 
Yeah. And the same thing with MMA. I was literally, my girlfriend just broke up with me. I was chilling at this video store. Video stores were still around. Yeah. Working at video in Lehigh in Pennsylvania. Just hating it, you know? And my boy hit me up. He goes, hey, I'm doing a nog in a couple weeks. Do you want to come, you know, do it with me and live with me and we'll start training all the time? And I was like, yeah. And, you know, a year and a half later, I was in the UFC. Man. You know? So it's like, it, it's, it was never a matter of wanting. I needed it, you know? I needed to be good. I needed to, like, put everything in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All my thought, all my time. Have you spoken to either Joe Silver or Dana White since you left the UFC? Yeah, I, I'm not Dana White, but I've talked to Joe via text. And it was it was fine, you know? Like, I don't know. What were you all doing, like exchanging recipes or something? No, it was, it was about fight stuff, fight-related stuff, you know? How long ago was that? That was like five years ago. God. You you haven't even been out of the UFC that long. It was like four or three years ago. Four or three. Okay. Realize, man, I was fired like, I was fired in 2012, like February 2012. Were you? Yeah. God, it's been that long. Been that long, bro. Ironically, and I've spoken about this on the podcast, I thought that you and your fellow Ultimate Fighter. Uh, castmate Gerald Harris were maybe the two most surprising firings in UFC history, in my opinion. I thought that you two. Why did he get fired? He ha- he went three and zero. He got three like finish bonuses. He got on ESPN for that big slam of Dave Branch, who is now a that Johnny and Dave Branch is who, now like a world champion and double double champion, middleweight and light heavyweight in World Series of Fighting. And he had a really bad fight against Mikel Falco. He said that he, when I did an interview with him, which I've got to go back and redo because he came out of retirement, but he had a really terrible fight against Mikel Falco. He said there was no footage on him for him to, to prepare for. Didn't even know he was a southpaw. Got knocked out in the first round, had no idea what he was doing the rest of the fight. It was so bad that he got cut. Three and one. Pretty weird, right? No, like, this is the thing with the UFC, and it's like any other big organization or sport. Like, if you say something they don't like or you do something behind the scenes they don't like or you do anything or, like, even, like, like I remember Talos Leitas. I don't know if he's back in the UFC now. Yeah. Yeah. But when I was in the UFC, he was a stallion, and he finally got a title shot against Anderson Silva. And it was a bad fight. Not his fault. Anderson didn't engage. He didn't engage. You know, they were just standing there, just kind of like mirroring each other for five rounds, you know? And it wasn't his fault. It was just how the fight played out. His next fight, he fights Alessa Sakara, has an 
poor showing. He, you know, it was a close fight, but he lost a split decision. Fired. So he yeah. lost to the world champion like decision. Lost to Alessio Sakara decision. Fired. That's pretty crazy too, if you think about it. You know. And he's he's still a very very good middleweight. Like he went he went and fought at. Uh, I think he fought a couple fights, maybe at light heavyweight on the regional circuit. But he went out on the regional circuit after that and beat like Matt Horwich and Jeremy Horn and Jesse Taylor and Dean Lister and all these people and got back. He he beat so many stallions on the like the, the indies of MMA, as you would say. Yeah, like, and he came back. He came back, and his style was completely different. Like he was, he got two straight performance of the night bonuses and a fight of the night bonus. Like he started to. I think he understood how to play the game, play UFC's game, Matt. I remember training with Talos Lewis in Arizona Combat Sports, and the dude's a stud, you know. And I think he just, I, I think it's just, you know, he got better and better, and he can now push a harder pace while, rather than be more conservative, you know. He's six and two in his latest run in the UFC. He beat Francis Carmont, Tim Boach, Chris Camozzi. So he's beat some dudes. He's beat some pretty good dudes. He's legit. The Gerald Harris thing is so funny. I had like, like when, when I, we were starting Fightful a couple months ago, I used I did these long form features and I did a follow up on Muhammad Hassan and I did one on Gerald Harris because I thought his story was so interesting. And the whole story was finishing up and it was like, he doesn't need MMA, he's happy. And then he comes out of retirement, of course. So I got to go and rewrite the whole story and interview him again. But he told me a lot like what you told me he wasn't told the truth by some UFC officials. He said that a high-ranking UFC official talked to him in the parking lot of, I think, an airport right after that fight and said, you're fine, we love you, you got us ESPN exposure with the slam, all this stuff, and then, like, later that week he was cut. Is that surprising to you? Not at all. Right before I was fired, I was, after my fight with Che Mills, I was walking out. I asked Dana White and Joe Silva if they needed me for the post-fight conference. They said no, which I was surprised about because I was on the main card and everything. So I was like, okay. And then who's – is it Mark Ratner, the guy who's in head of – like charge The regulatory of- affairs? Yes. He, yeah. He came up to me and he goes, Matt, I totally agree with everything you're saying. TRT should be banned. Stuff about marijuana you're saying is 100% has never hurt anybody. Da, 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 da. And I was like, awesome, you know, thank you. I fly home, Michael Mersh, their attorney, calls me and says, hey, man, we're exercising our right to terminate you. You failed your drug test. Damn. You know? Damn. So I'm not surprised by it at all. Like, one UFC up high guy that's at all the fight summits and all that stuff, at every UFC event, tells you, you know, he agrees with everything you're saying, your politics, and then – the UFC's attorney fires you in less than a week. And you mentioned Joe Silva, maybe not completely honest with you. What do you think about him leaving the UFC at the end of this year? I think it's a smart move for him. It's like he made a ton of money. He All he really did, and it's nothing against him, is like match, match make, you know, which everybody's nipping at the bit to fight in the UFC, so it's not like really hard to find opponents and swap them around. Uh, I, he's smart. You know, he got in, he worked hard, the company grew, he got out when he should. You know, I'm shocked Dana White's still sticking around, you know. 
Yeah, I, I get the feel. Well, I mean, he's like doubling and tripling his money at every turn. Like he he gets to retain his shares, but he got paid from that crazy. Like the amount of money that that guy made. That it, it really the UFC will go down as one of the greatest investments of all time. Yeah. So off the sweat and blood of people for minimum wage. <laughs> They're welcome. Well, we're going to talk about sweat and blood now because I haven't talked to you about this. Are, are you familiar with the rule changes that were instituted, I think, last month? In MMA? Yeah. So they did a a thing. They, they, they had basically a summit or a, a meeting where they voted on a, a host of rule changes, one of which is for women regarding their apparel they have to wear like a rash guard top or uh, a sports bra. They can't wear like the loose shirts anymore, which personally I can tell I can't. I remember one time I was grappling with somebody and who was wearing basketball shorts and my ring finger got caught in and it dislocated it. And I, I won't grapple with anybody with those anymore. It's, it's kind of dangerous. So I understand that. You sound like a real bitch, bro. Oh dude. It, it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. I, I went in and wrestled with my wrestling coach last week. And it was like trying to move a sidewalk. Like, I was like, man, this is terrible. Oh. It was horrible, Matt. It was horrible, Matt. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, my Thursday co-host is about 20 pounds heavier than this guy with about twice the experience. I was like, if it's this bad against my local wrestling coach, I can't imagine what it would be against like former UFC fighter Matt Riddle. I'll be honest, it's been a while since the local wrestling coach put me down. <laughs> Hey, you know what? I bet you'd wear basketball shorts just to be an asshole. You know what? I only you're right though. Basketball shorts are very unprofessional. You know, you shouldn't wear them as board shorts or compression. That's how you got to go. Safety. Yeah, there's there's no give in the like the board shorts and stuff like that. If the dude wore swimming trunks, I would have been happier. Yeah. And another thing I'm not a fan of pockets, you know, pockets. Oh god. That's, that's what I got it caught on. I got it caught on the pocket of basketball shorts, and it yanked out. That's what I'm not, I'm not a fan of pockets. Cody McKenzie had pockets on one of his shorts and a tag. Cody McKenzie. Do you remember that? Stallion. <laughs> I've ne- he, he always wins with that guillotine. I don't know. Like we, That was something we also mentioned a few weeks ago. He would always rush in and then catch people with the guillotine. Man. His that guy. So, so I'm looking at these rules. So they got the extended finger rule, female clothing, and a grounded fighter. Yes. Yeah, so the the extended finger, or what many are calling the John Jones rule. Oh. Okay. You can't come at your opponent like this because this is terrifying for me to look at at my own screen, Matt. <laughs> that is like watching your fingers fly towards my face on my computer screen. I'm like. I flinch. It's pretty so you have to, you have to do this. You have to move hands upward. What do you think about that? Uh, I think, I think it really doesn't matter. I mean, it's an MMA fight. Fingers are gonna hit eyes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because I think a big thing is to reaction. You know, if somebody, like, swings at you, you might block and then, you know, come out like that, you know, for it to, you know, if they just want to come out and say poking somebody in the eye is against the rules, accidental or not, you'll be punished for it if they can't continue. That's what they should do. 
that should just be the rule. And they should do replays and make sure it was a finger poke because if it's a fist, no, you know, whatever, you're a bitch. I think that – well, you called me a bitch for dislocating my finger too, so who knows. But <laughs> instant replay, that's one they're going to approach next year supposedly, Matt. I'm surprised that isn't already in effect. I don't know why it's not in effect either. The amount of times I saw Vitor Belfort on this TRT run just rocket people in the back of their neck and spine like six times before the ref would stop it and then he would get a win. Is I don't know if you recall that, but he, you know, I'm not saying he's a bad fighter, but he'd get the good clean pit, take the back, and then just rifle over hands down to the back of the neck and head it, which is completely illegal. He did it to Sexy Ama. He did it to, he did it to He did it to a lot of people. And it was just like, all those strikes are illegal. I'm not saying the first one that rocked them wasn't, but all the ones that you stopped to fight for were all in a dangerous spot. He couldn't protect himself, and those are illegal strikes. There's also the downed opponent rule. And when I spoke to Chael Sonnen, he said that there would be very few fighters and promoters who would actually be cool with this. This one is more complex, and it's got a lot more to it than people realize. As As of now, before these rules go into effect January 1st, if you have a finger on the mat, you are a downed opponent. Just a finger? And ju- just a finger. If your finger is touching the mat, you are a downed opponent. Also, the bottom, uh, your knees or an elbow, anything like that, basically anything but the bottoms of your feet, you are a downed opponent. So what that means is you can't knee from that position. No, no. Because what do you yeah. think if somebody shoots? They just get to shoot? You can't knee them in the face? Well, here, here's the situation. Th- yeah, the, the knees – no knees to a downed opponent, that's been a thing. Like, you can't knee somebody. But now the rule is, instead of just one hand down, you have to have both hands down. So if somebody's got you in a front face lock or anything like that, and you're trying to avoid that knee to the head, you can't just put one hand down to avoid that knee. you got to put two. What that does is it opens up chokes. You can be dragged down. How, how does that change things, like, from a psychological perspective? That if that's if that's like the rule they're working with. I like that. It creates more action. You know, a lot of people and not saying like you can still put both hands on the mat and still be in a defensive spot, tuck your chin, put your shoulders up, you know. Yeah. But at the same time it's like it gives the other guy time to spin there. And then you have to pick up a hand which will then allows him to strike you. You know, so just it creates more of a scramble, creates more action. It's those are the kind of rules they should be making in MMA to make it, you know. Like, I wish they would give yellow cards out. Like, I, do too. I hate when fighters run. I It's one thing to use footwork. It's another thing to run away from a guy. You're in a cage to fight. It's already 32 feet. It's a big cage. Mm-hmm. And, like, and I like, like, I believe the Conor McGregor fight, that fight, kind of ran a lot. Granted, you know, he was surviving. He was winning on points. But at the same time, it's like, it's a fight. Like in Japan and Pride back in the day, they would have gave him, you know, gave him a yellow card and then a red card. You know, you can't run. You got to try to finish the fight. It's a fight. What other rules would you like to see instituted, or are there any? They they've come a long way, and these these were good. I think the the downed opponent thing. I like that. I personally think uh, you should be allowed to knee and kick a, the head on the ground. I think most fighters that are real sport fighters would agree with me. 
You know, it's not a matter of unsafeness. Elbows to the face, a punch to the face, a kick to the head while you're standing. All that shit's dangerous, you know? So I really don't see why that's even a rule. Like, I think most people would agree with me on that. And I think the fans would agree, too. Then again, I know 1FC is now changing their rules, and they're not going to allow head kicks to the ground and knees to the ground anymore. So, well, they, they had that weird thing where, like, you had the ref had to be like, okay, now you can do it. It was really weird for a while. Like, where the referee had to declare it was legal. It was so, so weird. Yeah. I don't know. Me, personally, I think it's great. It's underutilized, and that would speed up the action because if you can get, stri- you know, hit from any position, then you really got to be on the move and scramble and either get position or back away or do something. And then if you institute a rule stalling, how can you go wrong? And keep elbows as well. Because I think that's the one thing that slows that that slowed down uh, pride. You know, you could ground a pound, you could knee, you could kick, but you couldn't elbow. And sometimes when people tie down your hands, it's really hard to punch. Well, elbows are dangerous and so convenient and work in tight quarters. You know. Yeah, that's a big reason. Like a lot of amateur promotions don't allow elbows for several reasons because these fighters aren't getting paid and they got to go to work on Monday. But also the insurance premiums for those promotions probably go up because the amount of stitches that would be administered for that. Because if you all at home have never seen amateur fights, generally they go about 30 seconds or the full three rounds. That's just generally how it goes. And then they're usually slobber knockers. Like people oh, yeah. lose years off their life at these amateur fights. Yes. It's amazing. Sunny's still in jail. Did you know about this? So And still in jail? Yeah, she's in jail again. Oh. <laughs> she's going to be there throughout the weekend. She was arrested last Friday – uh, as a violation of her probation. She's put on probation because she had like 742 DUIs, I think. Like, I'm pretty sure she's in the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, she received a, five, a sentence of five years probation in August after she was arrested. And apparently she did something to violate that. Is that surprising to you? Is that surprising to me? Yeah. No. Could it be surprising? I mean, I feel bad. I know nothing against her, but I'm not surprised. Uh, You know, I think she has a problem. You know, she needs to get some help. I hope so. I hope she does, too, because if she got straight, the amount of money that she could make just existing would be ridiculous. But she'd have to get straight. Ooh, here's a good one. Jeremy Stevens (laughs) responded to Conor McGregor's Uh, press conference stuff he said and I quote it's kind of sad because I really couldn't hear exactly what he was saying throughout the press conference or what anybody was saying Uh, I couldn't hear what Donald Cerrone was saying and he was right next to me I wanted to jump a little bit more and create that buzz uh, and I wanted to steal that thunder from McGregor but I also didn't want to sound like an idiot because I couldn't hear exactly what he was saying when we got into it it is what it is he knows exactly who I am I've fought on his cards before and had some nasty knockouts it's only a matter of time, but right now my 100% focus is on Frankie Edgar. He went on to say that McGregor locked himself in a room and called him a leprechaun and stuff. Jeremy Stevens got shook, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Jeremy Stevens is good, but, you know, he's not the greatest trash talker. We saw that. Not the- it's hard to go toe-to-toe with Conor McGregor with that anyway. 
Yeah. You know, and I personally think, you know, he should really keep his focus on Frankie Yeager because Frankie Yeager is still a beast. I was shocked that Jose Aldo beat him, but it seemed like Jose Aldo, you know, that Connor beating him really lit a fire under him, you know? So Yeah. But I, I personally think Jeremy Stevens has his hands full with Frankie Yeager and, uh, you know. It's a good fight. It's a real good fight. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that show as it as it gets a little bit closer. That one's going to be a lot of fun, just a lot of fun. This Saturday or this Saturday, we have John Lineker versus John Dodson. How do you think that one's going to go? That's a that's going to be a fun fight to watch. I don't know. I really don't know. Man, Lineker, if he could, if he could have made weight at flyweight, that would have been. I think I still think Mighty Mouse would have danced around him, but that would be interesting. Did you watch anything on Monday, Matt? Raw got really low ratings. The presidential debate got really high ratings. Did you watch either of those? I I didn't. I wa- I watched a couple minutes of Raw. You know, I, I saw some clips from the presidential debate. You know, you, you didn't miss much on Raw. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, that's that's what I heard. I heard Anthony Nice debuted and so did Drew Gulak so that was cool some guys I work with that evolved to wrestle he looked great Anthony Nice looked great he's a he's a premier athlete bro that was probably my favorite part of Raw honestly uh meanwhile over on the presidential debate you had a WWE Hall of Famer Donald Trump on there so I mean they can't compete with that that was more sports entertainment than anything Raw had so before we go what do you have coming up this weekend Matt uh, you know, I got Magical Virginia on uh, Saturday, BCW. The first. city is called Magical? No, I made that part up. I, I don't know what oh. city in Virginia is in. <laughs> There's it's nothing totally magical about Virginia. Virginia. It's by the beach. Uh, maybe Virginia Beach. Sounds about you picked a good weekend to come because it's like freezing in this area. Yeah, and uh, and then Sunday I'm wrestling for Beyond. Nice, <clears throat> nice. Also, I see that altered bro hat on your head. Bro, tell the people about that. I was happy to see. look at that. Always got say something so they can see it. <laughs> Always altered bro tees. Got the altered bro hat. Yeah, your altered beast references were a big hit on our first podcast. Dude, Ultra Beast is a good time. Definitely didn't get enough play, you know? And uh, I think people know. People know deep down, especially in, on the indies. People know. Did you ever play Sunset Riders? I just beat Sunset <laughs> Riders the other day. It was sick. Isn't that game just the best? It is. It is, man. I, I believe I was playing as my main Danny Camacho. And my oh, yeah. He was playing as Bill. Billy. I found that at a at a, like a peddler's mall for like fifteen bucks, and I went and I beat it. It's a very not not an easy game to beat, but um, for me anyway. And then I resold it for seventy five dollars on eBay. I was thrilled with that. That's pretty legit, bro. Was thrilled about that. Yeah, I got actually. Uh, I'm gonna go play some Sega Genesis with my cousin this weekend. Because we, you motivated me, Matt. You talked about Slam Masters and the barbed wire death match in that. I never got to play that one as a child because I had the Super Nintendo version. We have ordered the, the Sega Genesis version, and I can't wait to, to 
beat the shit out of him with the great Oni. You know what, man? I'm proud of you. Hey, you know what? Who was your favorite character on that game? What's that? Who was your favorite character on that game, Slam Masters? Well, I know that's the one that they had Vader. Yeah, Greater, they called him. Vader was pretty sweet. But I think my favorite guy was probably that masked luchador. Stingray. I think so. I believe Stingray. I'm not the best with names. More of a picture guy. They had an L Stingray who was the little guy. And then they had Scorp who was like the main guy. But he was based off of uh, a luchador from like decades, decades past. But that was such a fun game. Great. Such a fun game. Great game. We got to talk some more old school video games on the show, but guys, Matt, anything you want to let people know before we go? Hey, wrestling this weekend, got some uh, new merch. Uh, yeah, I mean that's about it. You know, wrestling every weekend, living the dream. Um, guys, follow Matt over at Riddle Tough Seven. You'll find links to his his merchandise. You'll find links to virtually everything he's doing. He's very good about keeping that updated. There's gifts of me just German suplexing people and kneeing them in faces. I'm doing I'm doing all sorts of stuff all the time. So just check it out. Deadlift German suplex. I saw a combo where you hit a Pele kick, a GTS, and then a deadlift German suplex. It was pretty badass. Yeah, bro. Just that was the typical Saturday night. I, I see one right here. A tombstone. That's awesome. Gut wrench suplex. You got. I saw you do a swanton. I do. I can do swan- all the way across the damn ring. I can do swantons from time to time. I usually don't. I keep it more mat based oriented. But when the you know if I'm in there with like maybe a Ring of Honor guy or something like that, I'll throw a little swanton action their way. Can you do a four fifty, Matt? I can. I can do a six thirty. What? I can do shooting star press. I can do it all. I just don't. Because then people would expect me to do it all the time. A six thirty. Just a, this is going to become a hashtag. We're we're gonna. Well, I don't want that. I don't want you to die in the ring based on a hashtag I started. Six thirty, Matt. That's a double front. People do it. All. Have you ever heard of Peter? Kassa? I, oh, of course I have. Yeah. Well, he's he's one of the bigger dudes that does it. But I mean, most of the guys that do it are really yeah, tiny. That dude's like two twenty and does a six thirty with ease. And he's like in his late thirties, isn't he? He he's he's jacked. I don't know how old he is. He's a young spirit, but he's jacked. Yeah, man, I gotta see this, Matt. I gotta see it. But either way, I mean, your wife was a gymnast, right? She was. She can, I just she teaching you how to do the six thirty? Oh, she can, dude. I saw her do a double back, like a round off double back flip, like three sixty spin type thing. She called wow. it something else, but it was insane. Wow. Either way, guys, Fightful.com. We have more live viewing parties than any other website on the internet. There are promotions I didn't even know existed that David Tease is covering on here. The Alaskan Fighting Championship last night. I had no idea they existed. Either way, we cover them. Ring of Honor, All-Star Extravaganza tomorrow night. Hopefully Bound for Glory Sunday if the damn promotion exists. They'll get it. They'll get it through. I'll talk to Bill. <laughs> Bill. I got a fur coat. He's got a fur coat. We'll talk. <laughs> oh, I, I see. I want you to join TNA so Matt Hardy can make you a part of the broken family. You can be broken. Broken. Bro-leaded. 
Yeah, there you go. Either way, guys, Fightful.com, share the website. Until tomorrow afternoon with Vince Russo, we are out. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.